Ever have a conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast was born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman-Collins, registered dietitian nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We are excited to have you joining us for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. Dee, how are you today? I'm doing great, Sherry. How are you doing? Never better. (laughs) (laughs) Dee, today we're going to talk about the topic that helped launch this show, literally. Seriously, for those listeners who haven't heard the first episode, this is how it goes. We were standing around the water cooler one day and we're talking about all kinds of health issues and eventually we landed on the subject of poop. Poop. (laughs) I I don't know why I did it in that deep voice. Sorry. (laughs) Brown note. Seriously, I was like, when we were having that conversation, I was like, this this is actually a conversation that other people would benefit from, and they'd be interested in hearing this. And I think they're curious about it. Right? So shortly after that, I asked you to do the podcast with me, and here we are, finally talking about this most important topic. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure that as we go along today, we'll have some funny comments and some maybe Bathroom humor. humor. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But it is a really serious topic. And I think that, you know, as a registered dietitian, I definitely talk about poop a lot. It's it's something I ask my clients about. It's something I need to know about when I'm working with I mean, is that the first question? How do you? (laughs) It's not the first question, but we usually have that conversation on the first date. Okay. (laughs) Because it's important to know, right? I mean, somebody's bowel habits really gives you a picture into their overall health. And so I I definitely ask those questions pretty early in my counseling with an individual. And when I worked in clinical work in a hospital, it was something that we were acutely aware of. You know, is this person going to the bathroom regularly? Are they going at all, especially post-surgery or with medications or certain conditions really can impact whether or not an individual is having a regular bowel movement or um, whether they're able to have one at all. So I think that that's, um, that's a really important part of, of health uh, overall. And certainly when you're sick, it's an important part of figuring out where you are in the process of healing. So. Yeah, I know. Like with my mom before she passed, that mm-hmm. that was like an all critical sign mm-hmm. about where she was physically. Did she go potty yeah. today? And, yeah. you know, what, what did it look like? And mm-hmm. did she strain when mm-hmm. she went? So... Yeah, it tells us a lot about what's going on on the inside, you know? Yeah. We can't see inside your body, right? We can't see, but we can we can tell a lot about what's happening inside by what's coming out. <laughs> so, I know that... I've got to stop with the visuals, my gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know that, you know, so, so just as you've heard so far, right, this is a silly topic for some people, or, you know, it's intimidating, it's embarrassing, and people can be a little scared to talk about it, but today I wanted to talk about the misconceptions and concerns, and also what is normal, you know, kind of answer the question, what is normal, because that is really the most common question that I get. Absolutely, I yeah. can see that. Yeah. So, 
um, maybe that's a good place to start. You know, what is normal? And the reality is that like most things in nutrition, normal depends on the person. You know, nutrition is rather personalized and bowel habits are also a personal kind of thing. You know, it's going to be a little different from person to person and still be normal. So I'm going to give you some basic ideas of what is normal, but okay. small variations from this are not necessarily cause for concern. So for in general, going to the bathroom, having a bowel movement every one to three days is considered normal. So even up to three one days. One to three days? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, aren't you cranky by day three? If you, <laughs> I would say. I would yeah, be cranky. <laughs> I would be cranky. I would be cranky. But that's considered to be normal. Wow. Okay. Um, I would say that, you know, if you're regularly, if, if for you going every three days is, is what you've always done, then that probably is normal for you. But if you're somebody who's an everydayer and then suddenly it's three days later, then that's probably not normal, right? So it's what's normal for you. Um, what's consistently been your habit is what mm. is normal within that sort of window. Um, also, it shouldn't be difficult. It shouldn't be hard to go to the bathroom. You shouldn't have a difficult time. It shouldn't take a long time and it shouldn't cause pain or discomfort. You shouldn't have to strain to go to the bathroom. So when you say take a long time, because I have this <laughs> argument with my husband about why he's in the bathroom for an hour. <laughs> So what's what what do you mean by long time? Well, again, I mean, I think that again goes back to what's normal for you, you know, Mm. what's normal for you. And and also, are you um, so okay? Some people use that time in the bathroom for more than just taking care of business. He's watching YouTube videos. Like, you can't convince me <laughs> other than yeah. that. Yeah. If, somebody, if you've got technology in the bathroom with you and you're sitting there and, and that's not active time, <laughs> then, active time. <laughs> then, you're, then there's probably, it's probably still normal, right? It's probably so because you're not using all of that time to take care of business. You're, you're right. actually doing something else. So I, so I think that, yeah, so that, that, that's normal. Um, the, the poop itself, you know, the, 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 it should be solid. It should be formed. Um, it shouldn't be, but it shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be pebbly. It should hold together. Um, and it should be, um, probably for the most part, one solid piece or one Mm -hmm. piece of, you know, poop. (laughs) It shouldn't be a whole bunch of little pebbles like rabbit poop. If you've got that going on, that's probably a sign that something's not exactly right. It's not necessarily something's dangerously wrong, but we'll talk about what that might mean. Um, Floating poop is is kind of a good thing, but it shouldn't. It's not a big concern if it's not floating either. You know, sometimes floating tells us that there's a lot of fiber in the diet. Sometimes it tells us there's a lot of fat in the poop. That's a problem. So again, thinking about what's kind of normal for you. Um, and then, so even if it's normal for you that your poop doesn't float, that okay. doesn't necessarily mean that there's a problem with your poop. No. Okay. If the other things I've mentioned are, are rather normal, mm-hmm. um, then I think that that's not necessarily a problem. Yeah. The, the other thing is that it should, you know, color can be a little different, you know. So generally it's going to be brown. Um, mm-hmm. Some shade of brown is fine. That's normal. Um, even sometimes our poop can be affected by what we've eaten. So, you know, you might have poop that's a little bit green um, from, you know, something we've eaten. If we've eaten a lot of green things. A lot things, of kale. <laughs> you may see Ooh. that. Yeah, that may, that may be reflected <laughs> for a temporary time in the in the poop. Um, it could even be a little red, um, if you've eaten a lot of beets, for instance, or you've, or you've drank a lot of beet juice or some other red juice, not wine, but (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I was about to say, I don't know. I had some Cabernet. <laughs> uh, but you know, but that, but there's going to be a caveat to that too. And we'll talk a little bit about what's not normal in that range. Um, and then it's okay if it's a little tapered on the end too, you know, that's normal as well. So yeah, that, that shows that that sphincter is working to it's pinch not it off. like, you know those Cheetos puffs? Yeah. It's like it's not getting cut off. Like, okay, I'm sorry. That was too much. That's too much. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we're 12-year-old boys on the show today. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> so, so that's a little bit about sort of what's normal. And then in thinking about what's not normal, um, you know, if you're having more than a few – or even, you know, more than, probably more than two um, poops a day, that can be a problem. You know, diarrhea is clinically defined as three or more loose stools a day. So, you know, it kind of depends on the consistency and also what's normal for you. So most people, if you're having a, if you're having what would can be considered a full evacuation, <laughs> if you're having a regular full poop, you shouldn't necessarily need to go more than once a day, but that could depend on the person too. So. And also on, I think, like fiber content. So yes, I yes. know that when I made some changes to my diet and, you know, was very intentional about meeting that 25 grams mm-hmm. of fiber a day uh, and very intentional about getting 64 ounces of water, trust, I went potty. And when I say potty, <laughs> I mean poop. I went potty twice a day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially in the very beginning. Yes. Yes. And that's a great point. You know, I was thinking about changes and we're going to talk a little bit about diet, how diet it can affect it. And that is an important thing to keep in mind. So, um, so, so having those, you know, frequent stools during the day can be a problem, but it may not be a problem for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're, if you're not going at least every three days, that's a problem too. So if you're, if you're going, if there's, if you're more than three days and you haven't had a bowel movement, that's a problem and you need to have that addressed in some way. Um, Poop that's foamy is a problem. What? I, I don't, I don't, how does poop become foamy? I... Well, it has to do with fat being passed through the stool. Uh, so okay. it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it is a sign that there's some sort of dysfunction happening in the gut. So foamy, floating, really foul smelling poop. I just thought about oily, oily. There's this, uh, I don't know, some pill back in the day that you could take, yeah, 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 and it would block the fat from being absorbed, and it would just pass. So that's what that's explosive diarrhea was. Well, yes, yes, yeah. That 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 is definitely what was happening. Mm -hmm. Loose or liquidy, not good. Your poop should be formed, as I mentioned earlier. So loose or liquidy stools are not a good sign. That's not normal. Um, very hard to pass. I mentioned sort of rabbit pellets. <laughs> if you if you're having little rabbit pellets or large pieces of stool that are that are dryish and that are hard to pass, that's a that's not a good sign. That's a problem that shows that there's something wrong. Um, and it's probably that you're not getting enough fiber or water in your diet. So I was about to say, get a bottle of water. Yeah, absolutely. Several. <laughs> um, and then and then you know I mentioned like if you ate a lot of beets or you drank a lot of beet juice, your poop might be red that day afterwards, but it should not be consistently red. And if it's streaked bloody, that's a problem. That could show, you know, red, bright red blood probably shows that there is um, like a um, hemorrhoid or something like that that's mm. near the anus. That mm-hmm. That's that's not necessarily, you know, cause for huge alarm. But if you see blood in your stool, 
that's either bright red or even dark red, that's a problem and you need to see a doctor about it. That's not something that's normal. Even if it's hemorrhoids, if it's, you want to make sure that you know that that's what it is and not something else. I was about to say, because wouldn't you know if you have a hemorrhoid? Not necessarily, because no? a hemorrhoid can, ha can be on the outside or it can be on the inside. So you might not be able to see it, but it might be just inside the anus and then you're not going to see it. But Okay. Yeah. But... I was like, I've had one. I knew. Yeah. Yeah. So, so most of the time you're going to know, but you might not. So mm -hmm. it, it, I think that it can be something that you don't know. And so if you're, if you're seeing blood in the stool, then that is a reason to see your doctor for gotcha. sure. Just to make sure that it's not something else. So we've covered what's normal, what's not normal. Any questions about that so far? No, I think I'm tracking with you so far. <laughs> All right. So let's think about what things can contribute to dietary distress or changes, right? And changes in your bowel habits. You mentioned um, when you were hitting your fiber Up in the number, fiber. Right? Up I in mean, the water. Yeah. And that really is, I think, it is really important to know that that's the goal. Is really 25 grams for women, is that's our goal, is to try to get to that. And if you're eating a primarily plant-based or plant food heavy diet, you're going to probably get there. But if you're not, you're probably not going to get there. Right. Because it isn't easy. I mean, if you're eating like a normal, typical American diet, you're probably not eating enough fiber. And fiber is really important for a lot of reasons. Protects our hearts, protects us from um, cancers, certain types of cancers, and it helps ensure that we're regular. So, uh, so I can see it protecting us from certain types of cancer, mm -hmm. but I, how does it protect our heart? So uh, a couple of different ways. One way is that Fiber in our diet actually helps remove fat from the from being absorbed. It actually holds on to fat. Wait, what? So, <laughs> so dietary fat, when we eat it, uh -huh. some of the fiber that we eat is going to hold on to some of the fat that we eat. And it's going to help pull it out. And we're not going to absorb it. It'll it'll take some of the calories that we eat out. You see where I was going with that, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, so all I have to do is add a bread and cereal to my pizza? <laughs> well, not exactly. <laughs> it's not quite that effective. Bread but pizza. overall, <laughs> yeah. The other thing is that it helps offset some calories, right? Yeah. So if we're eating those foods that are high in fiber, they're probably foods that are lower in calorie, right? Plant-based foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, those are the foods that are going to be highest in fiber, and those are also lowest in calories. Mm -hmm. So as compared to dairy foods or meats um, or fats in our diet, you know, those foods are going to be higher in calories. So if we're eating a diet that's higher in plant-based, that's higher in fiber, it's going to also be automatically lower in calories, and that is going to be heart protective, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to help us manage our weight. That's going to do all of those things that help us have a healthier heart. Awesome. Yeah. So the thing to remember as you're trying to hit that number is to also increase your fluid intake at the same time. You did a great job. You mentioned, you know, trying to get to your 25 grams of fiber and also 64 ounces of water, whatever your goal is. I mean, that's making sure that you're getting enough water at the same time as increasing fiber is essential. I learned that the <laughs> hard way, but I'm bump. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, it, yeah. It did not happen. I mean, I didn't learn that lesson at the same time. It yeah. was I increased the fiber and then I had some issues. <laughs> it was like reading on the issues. I was like, oh, I need to make sure I'm hitting my water goal every day or else there's going to be a problem. Right. So the thing about fiber is it has this amazing ability to do both things. It both will um, cause constipation or help treat diarrhea because it will fiber absorbs water 
So if you've got a condition where you've got too much fluid in the colon, it's going to absorb some of that water to help reduce diarrhea, but it also will, um, it will soften the stool as well. So to help treat constipation. So it's, it's really, it's a magic nutrient um, mm -hmm. that we, we don't really think enough about or pay enough attention to, but it, it absolutely will help improve our lives in so many ways and not just in bowel habits. So yeah, but fluid and fiber, you got to have those two things together in order to make that work. Do yourself a favor, <laughs> have them together. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So there are a lot of other things that can um, affect our bowel habits. And, um, you know, so I just thought we'd kind of talk about a few of those. That okay. sounds good. So caffeine is one thing, you know, a lot of people make fun about, you know, I have a cup of coffee and a poop in the morning or whatever. <laughs> I am on that team. <laughs> <laughs> caffeine is a stimulant uh -huh. in our bodies, and that includes in our gut. So um, so caffeine will stimulate you to go to the bathroom just like it stimulates all of your body. So um, for many people, that is part of their life. Um, and then hormones can affect your bowel habits. So, you know, a lot of women talk about how around their menses, around their period, their, their bowel habits change, and that's hormone-dependent totally normal um, for a short period of time. It's not uncommon for hormones to affect that. Um, illness. So when we're sick, um, some of that has to do with maybe if you're sick, you're not drinking as much fluid or you're not eating as much food. So that will affect it as well. But just being sick can impact your gut as well. So mm -hmm. it can affect your bowel habits in some ways. And then along those same lines of illness, right, is medications. There are lots of medications that have as side effects either diarrhea or constipation. So you want to be aware of that. And antibiotics are definitely in that category. Antibiotics affect our gut micro biota, so the, the bacteria that live in our gut, we have a delicate balance all the time in our gut. And we want those healthy bacteria to thrive, and we want them to help keep the pathogens or the bad bacteria in check. When we take antibiotics, it affects all the bacteria most of the time. So it's not just killing the bad bacteria, it's also It's like the all of y'all are out of here. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm clearing house. And, um, and that can cause diarrhea for a lot of people. So I do recommend in general when I talk to someone or counseling someone that if they're taking an antibiotic, it's a good idea to take a probiotic at the same time or, um, or right afterwards or right before to begin a course and then take it until like a week after because um, the gut needs time to heal and also to sort of um, repopulate and that takes time. Right. And that's what my doctor always mm -hmm. recommends when I'm on antibiotics. Yeah. It's like seven days after my antibiotics are done and I'm still just yeah. finishing up the um, probiotic. Yes. And eating probiotic foods every day I think is a great habit to be in. So probiotic foods are things like yogurt, um, kefir, um, fermented vegetables kefir what is what is kefir kefir is a drinkable yogurt type beverage that's made from dairy usually you can get water kefir though that's not that's a non-dairy beverage if you can't do dairy for some reason um, and it usually contains 10 or more different strains of bacteria and all those bacteria have beneficial impacts on our gut and our health okay yeah so I'm a big kefir fan. We do kefir in our house. <laughs> and I've made water kefir for a long time. I'm not making any now because when I travel, I had a bottle explode in the kitchen. <laughs> it didn't want to explode? Yeah. Is water kefir similar, similar to kombucha? Does kombucha have probiotic? Oh, yeah. It's similar. Probiotic? Yeah. Okay. Great, great, great question. Yeah. They are similar. Um, a little different. One is a yeast-based. One is more bacteria-based, but mm -hmm. similar. Um, 
yeah, very similar. And then um, for some people, stress can really impact their bowel as well, their bowel habits as well. And I think that some of that is probably hormone related as we think about cortisol and other stress hormones. Um, those probably have some impact on the gut. So people who suffer from things like um, irritable bowel syndrome have oftentimes associated times of stress with increased diarrhea or constipation, mm. depending on their specific situation. So definitely we know that stress has an impact on the gut and, and on bowel habits. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to mention is um, something called FODMAPs. And these are types of carbohydrates that are in our food that for some people can cause dietary distress. For most people, it's not going to be a problem. Most people don't need to know this information. But if you suffer from something like IBS, then FODMAPs, FODMAPs might be part of the problem. And FODMAPs is a it's an acronym. I was just about to ask. I've, I've never heard of a FODMAP. What, yeah. what is that? It's got to be an acronym for something. It is, and it's long, and I hope I can remember it off the top of my head. I should have written it down. But uh, it's fructooligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polysaccharides. These are just different kinds of long-chain carbohydrates that are in a lot of the food that we eat. And so people who have ongoing chronic dietary and digestive distress should probably see a registered dietitian who can help them um, determine whether this might be part of the problem. And some gastroenterologists are doing this now in their practice as well. And so what you can do if, if you find that you've got IBS or you've got ongoing dietary distress, sort of digestive distress, um, you can do an elimination diet with these foods for a period of time. It's not meant to be forever. It's, mm -hmm. you know, the goal is that you reintroduce these foods and this is not allergies and this is not, this is maybe a little bit on the spectrum of intolerances, but the idea is that you take these out of your diet for a short period of time, you reintroduce them one at a time and you see how that affects you, whether or not maybe one of these categories is a problem for you. And then you minimize those in your diet, a lot like lactose intolerance. So if somebody has lactose intolerance, you know, they don't have the enzyme to break down the carbohydrate and sugar, and maybe they don't have enough of it. So mm -hmm. most people who have lactose intolerance can have some dairy, they can have some some lactose, but not much, you know, and that and different kinds. So I'm right. lactose intolerant, and I don't drink milk right. as a habit, but I do eat cheese. Right, and, because it's um, low lactose. And I love ice cream, but I know it's going to give me an issue, but I love it. <laughs> so I eat it, and I just warn everybody. Yeah. <laughs> do you take the lactase pills? I don't. No, I don't. Yeah. So I have a friend who um, is is lactose intolerant also, and um, she's really good about carrying her lactase pills with her. And when she wants to have ice cream, she just has her pills first, and then she has her, has her um, ice cream, and it's not it's not as much of a problem for her. But again, dosing is a big part of that, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you mentioned cheese. Most hard cheeses are low in lactose or almost lactose-free. So even someone who has maybe um, lactose intolerance can still enjoy those types of dairy. And there's lactose-free milk, and there are other ways to, to manage that. Right. Um, so, so I just mentioned that because it's similar. So the FODMAP situation is similar to someone who's lactose intolerant. And you're just trying to figure out which of the 
carbohydrates or sugars is causing a problem and then you want to try to eliminate that or minimize that in the diet. But you don't want to do that forever because a, a FODMAP, the low FODMAP diet actually has been associated with lower bacterial diversity in the gut. And so you want to have enough good bacteria in the gut and you want it to be lots of different kinds because all these different kinds keep each other in check and they also have different benefits. So we don't understand all of the um, of the details about what is a perfect gut microbiota. So what is the perfect mix? We don't really know exactly what that is. And it probably varies by person and geography and, you know, ethnicity might have a part to play in that. We don't know. I mean, there are lots right. of things that probably play a part in what's perfect for you versus what's perfect for me or anybody else. Um, but we know that diversity is an important part of better gut health and maybe better immune health and better weight status and all of those things can be tied to gut as well. So, And you can actually affect the diversity of bacteria in yes. your gut by doing some of these things. Yes. And diet is a huge part of that. So making sure you're getting enough fiber is a really important part of that because the gut bacteria feeds on fiber. So making sure that you're getting enough fiber and it's the right kinds of fiber or a mix of fiber. So you want what, what used to be often called soluble versus insoluble fiber. Um, now we call it more digestible versus indigestible mm -hmm. or resistant types of fiber. Um, and, and, you know, you get that from having a diverse diet. So a diet that's plant-based that has lots of diversity in it, I think really helps, um, to contribute to a more diverse gut bacteria. And that's exactly how we, the conversation that we were having in the kitchen that day, it started out talking about people wanting to change their gut bacteria mm -hmm. by taking a, a poop pill. Do you remember? <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. You have to remind me. A poop pill. Yeah. So they Like are, laxative? No. Oh, oh, people oh, who oh, have, oh, yes, yes, yes. You oh, know, yes, I remember positive gut bacteria yes. they're you know slim and they're healthy and they harvest their fecal food. transplants yeah <laughs> so you can actually change your yeah. gut biota is that what you call mm -hmm. it microbiota without having to take a poop pill yes 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 yeah and so that and so it's interesting because there is a lot of really great research that's being done around um, fecal transplants so taking healthy feces from one person they they clean it, they, then they use it to put it into another person who's, who's sick mm -hmm. to help um, treat gut disease. And it's actually very effective in certain cases. So there's a really um, common and, and potentially deadly um, situation that can happen called C. difficile, which is an infection that happens in the gut when one of these pathogenic bacteria that may live in your gut takes over and um, it happens a lot in people who are immune compromised in the hospital mm. and it causes really horrible debilitating diarrhea and it can cause um, a lot of negative side effects. So imagine somebody who's older, who's immune yeah. compromised and they get this condition and they can't stop going to the bathroom, they become dehydrated, they can't eat, they become weak. It contributes to deaths in many cases. So what they found is they can take healthy feces from one person and they can transplant it into these sick people and they get better. And it's amazing. That's amazing. It is amazing. And, and I know for a lot of people, they're like, oh my God, I would never. But you know what? You might. <laughs> I mean, if it would heal <laughs> if you. If it's life or death. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and with very little side effects. So I think that, yeah, yeah, that's a, that, that's right. Now that you're around <laughs> me, that is where that's coming from. And so, you know, so there are things when we're healthy, we can do to help support our gut, to have a diverse 
gut microbiota and, and diet is a big part of that, a big part. So um, I think, you know, as we as we start to wrap up here, there are a couple of things I did want to mention, and I think we've touched on most of this, but if you're somebody who's dealing with, um, you know, issues of constipation or diarrhea, we talked a lot about fiber and water, and I think that those are, those are the answer for most of those cases. Um, if you've got one of those conditions or the other, fiber and water are going to be part of the solution for you. And there is the potential that for a short period of time, medications might help too. So whether it's over-the-counter, something like Imodium, uh, an anti-diarrheal medication, or um, a stool softener, something like that, um, can really make a difference in the short term. But it isn't something that should be every day or a lifetime kind of thing. You shouldn't have to always be taking a stool softener unless you have a disease issue. You know, in general, for most healthy people, that shouldn't be part of your everyday regimen. You know, I did have one other question about something that I read on the interwebs, um, <laughs> and that's uh, like hot lemon water. Oh, yeah. So is that acting the same way that coffee does, or is it just the warmth of the water? Is that real? What is that? That's not real. That's, I mean, I think part of that is that um, is most people aren't having enough fluid. And so I think when you start to increase your fluid by every day drinking one or two cups of water first thing in the morning, you're going to see a positive benefit from that. But you would see that positive benefit whether it had lemon in it or not, whether it was so warm or not. So there's no magic in the lemon. No magic in the lemon. <laughs> no, you don't really get that much vitamin C or anything from squeezing a lemon. But it tastes good. And if it helps you drink that water first thing in the morning, hey, I say go for it. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing bad about it and it doesn't, it doesn't do any harm. It's only going to do good. But there's nothing magic about it it for sure yeah gotcha. great question great question but I definitely think getting enough fluid is essential every day regardless of these situations so <laughs> I hope that that has answered many questions you may have about the issue of poop and um, want to say thanks so much for listening to this show. And Dee, thank you so much for asking this question <laughs> and for getting <laughs> thank us Thank you for giving us such detailed answers, like a lot of that information I needed. So I appreciate that. Hey, anytime. You know, dietitians like to talk poop. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Do y'all? Oh, my God. What's the convention like? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of poop. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. We're so glad that you're with us um, on this edition to talk about this really important topic. And we hope that you enjoyed it and that you'll share it with a friend. Um, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. Make sure you rate the show. Share it with a friend. That helps get the word out and helps us um, reach more people with this great information. So, Dee, we have one question. It's the question of the day, the question we end every show with. What is one thing you're going to do to be healthier today? So, today I'm planning a bubble bath. Woohoo! And I'm going to put some cartoons on my iPad and I'm just <laughs> going to sit and soak. And cartoons because it's been a very like brain intensive week for me and I need to be able to just completely veg out and not have to think. So, cartoons do that for me. I love that. I love that. I, lo you know, I have a four and a half year old, so I get to watch cartoons <laughs> pretty regularly. <laughs> So for me, I mean, I think definitely getting my walking in. I think, you know, I've got to move my body. I've got to get some exercise today. It's been a rather lazy week for me, which is okay. Sometimes we have those weeks, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to turning that around today and getting my steps in. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we hope you're having a healthy day, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next edition of the Southern Pride Girlfriends podcast. 
Hey y'all, it's Sherry again. I just wanted to pop back on real quick and say thank you again for listening to this episode of the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. I'm so excited that you're on this journey with us. As we build our audience and as other people start to listen in, I wanted to ask if you would help us spread the word. There are a few ways you can do that. You can follow us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find those links and all the links from today's show on my website at southernfriednutrition.com. Also, if you like the show, please share it with a friend in whatever way works best for you. You can do that by social media or by text or by email. Finally, give us a thumbs up with a good rating to help other people know that this is a show that they'll enjoy listening to. Thanks again for tuning into the show. I can't wait to be with you again soon.